Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. And when you're looking for deals, ClarkDeals.com. And I have a deal for you just straight ahead. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, somebody who shouldn't be selling off your kids' information is doing it big time. And then later yet, I want to give you an idea to deal with the massive number of people in the United States who just don't have enough food for their families. I've got a way to deal with part of that, and it doesn't involve government or their money. So I am a huge believer in credit unions. And I told this story not too long ago about how back in the 90s, the banks filed suit to try to destroy credit unions and were ecstatic when the Supreme Court issued a ruling that effectively would destroy credit unions in the United States. And the then 60 million of us that were credit union members went basically berserk in a polite way, very heavily visited with our congressmen and senators, and in a move that's almost never going to happen, almost unprecedented, the members of the House and the Senate nearly unanimously did something against the interests of their big contributors from all the banks and reinstated under law the ability for credit unions to exist. Why would the 60 million of us and huge numbers of us did get involved. Why would we be so fired up? Because credit unions are so much better than the banks generally. They're co-ops. They're run by and for the members. They're owned by the members. And instead of getting up each day and trying to figure out how to take advantage of a customer, credit unions are there specifically to serve the member with better deals on checking, better deals on saving, better deals on loans. Well, The banks never give up trying to destroy credit unions. And the banks tried to slip a piece of legislation into the tax stuff that the Congress was working on that would again effectively severely hurt and maybe destroy credit unions. And they were trying to do it secretly, but it leaked. Somebody, probably somebody who's a credit union member, made sure that credit unions knew about it, and it spread like wildfire, and we fought back another attempt by the banks to destroy credit unions. Do you know now that 60 million people is 110 million? What do 110 million, that's exactly one-third of the American people. What do one-third of the American people know that the other two-thirds need to know? A credit union is better than a bank because you own the place. You own the place. And so it's a co-op. It's there by and for you. And that's why I want you, if you don't yet have a credit union account, to get one. Now, I will say credit unions are not a monolith. They range from extremely large to extremely small and everywhere in between. There are credit unions that are very well run and those not so much. So just because credit unions, by their very nature, are generally better than a bank, 
Doesn't mean every credit union's great. But when you're looking for a place to bank, the best place almost always will be a credit union. So their banks, see what happens when you try to destroy credit unions? I'm back yapping about it again. Howard's with us on the Clark Howard Show. What a great name you have, Howard. <laughs> Thank you. Notice that. So, Howard, you've got some coins jingling in your pocket, and you want to spend them. Yes. Inherited some gold and silver silver dollars. Never dealt with them before. Would like to figure out the best way to liquidate and, and not get taken to the cleaner. Well, <laughs> you are so smart to ask the question, because if you are not someone who has a history of being a coin collector, you can really get clobbered on what the value of those coins will be. And there are a couple of things you can do that will help protect you as you go to establish value on silver and gold when they're coins, because what you don't know Are they valuable for the gold and silver they possess, or are they valuable for the coins themselves as something that people who are coin collectors specifically want those coins, those issues, and those and those in the conditions they're in? Are they the kind that might well be ones that collectors would be interested in? No, I don't think so. I think pretty much the silver content Perhaps some of the silver dollars might have some value, but... How far uh, back do they go? Early 1900s. Oh, I would not think of those just in terms of the content of the silver at all. I mean, you could have something there that, as a novice, you would not appreciate that may be worth quite a bit of money. I mean, that's completely different than people who in recent years have bought government-issued versions of silver coins or gold coins that they have as a hedge against trouble in the world you're talking about something that has historical significance back a hundred years old that is right right yes so i would tell you i'm going to give you a cheap path and then i'm going to give you a more professionalized path okay so the cheap path is that there are coin shows that travel the country that are for coin collectors and coin dealers. And they, in bigger cities, they happen frequently in mid-sized markets a few times a year and in small markets, not at all. But you can go to one of these shows taking either your entire collection or a portion of it and you simply go dealer to dealer at the show. And you don't want a value for your collection. You want a value per coin. And go early in a day. And if there's a weekday for the show, go on a weekday instead of particularly on a crowded weekend afternoon. And you can traffic a lot of dealers at one time at one place to try to get a sense of value. So some shoe leather, no cost will get you some idea of whether you got something that's way past the value of the silver content. Now you want to know the the traditional way to do it? Oh, yes. So the traditional way to do it is you pay a coin grading service. 
And when you pay a grading service, a, a coin expert will look at your coins, evaluate them, and give you a, a grade on them. And that grade then in turn translates into a value that the professional marketplace assigns to that coin. When you tell me you have 100-year-old ones, I would consider at least sending a couple of these to be evaluated professionally. Okay. If you go to the website money.org, M-O-N-E.org, not .com, .org, that's the American Numismatic Association, and you'll be able to read some of the briefings on using a grading service. And it may be money that you waste, or it may be money that that gives you that moment like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And that'll be your choice. Okay. Sounds worth it. All right. Well, good luck, Howard. Remember, the website I want you to go to is money.org. And let me know if suddenly, out of nowhere, you're striking it rich. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Christine's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christine. Yes. Hi, Clark. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? Good. You got a question for your son. I do. He's 23 years old, and he finally got his first full-time position. And I've been trying to encourage both of my boys to save for retirement. And um, he said that he did not want to invest in either the 401k or the 457b that's available through um, the company where he works. Uh, Okay, I'm dying with curiosity. Why would he not want to do the 401k? Uh, He doesn't trust government uh, the way it, it stands now uh, and the banking system because it is, seems to be inextricably tied to our government okay let me see if i can help your libertarian son thank you because i share some libertarian principles but with libertarianism you can get to the point where you get so far to the point of paranoia that that you miss opportunities so if he and a 401k was to own mutual fund shares or institutional shares inside a 401k, that is just as safe as pretty much having money in a mattress. Well, it's probably safer than having money in a mattress because a burglar could come in and steal it. There is not a government risk where the government would come in and run off with the money in a 401k that's invested in mutual funds or their equivalent. There's just not. I mean, for for your son to to be worried to that degree, it would have to be something like just beyond belief that would happen where we would end up with a coup in the United States and some crazy, weird dictator takes over and anything that extreme happens – we got a lot more to worry about than what happens with money in our 401k. But I, I digress. What's he thinking of doing as an alternative? 
he told me of some online overseas fund in which he wanted to invest, and I don't know how that's any more stable. Much less stable. That would okay. be that would be for fear of what government in the United States might or might not do at some point to then go to the opposite extreme and say, I'm going to put my money offshore. The problem with offshore investing is so often that's been a breeding ground for scams. And even when it's not a scam, there's usually higher costs and also um, investment risk putting money strictly overseas with an account that uh, that you're dealing with foreign laws. He may not like government here. He may find he likes government less somewhere where he's got an offshore account. Has he said where in the world he's thinking of doing an offshore account? I I don't know. Um, He just mentioned uh, some person who does this type of thing. I don't know whether it's a company, um, but it just concerned me enough to, to ask someone with a little bit more expertise, so that's why I called you. Because generally, when you look at, at where libertarians have been doing their money, they've been doing offshore banking and offshore investing in obscure islands, usually, and I just can't even begin to think that way. At the same time, if we become more conventional, because the United States is 4% of the world's population, and most economic growth is going to occur overseas... I'm a big fan of your son owning overseas investments, but through U.S.-based investment houses, not putting money specifically with an overseas investment house of some kind. You know what I'd love? I'd love for you to see if you could convince your son to call me and let he and I have this conversation. Okay. And I don't know if he'd be willing to, but I'd really love the chance to talk with them about this. Today's Clark Rageous moment is an odd one. So among high school juniors and seniors, sometimes sophomores, there's a lot of test taking for the SAT and the ACT. And there's something you need to know that is an absolute Clark rage that you got to make sure your young son or daughter knows what I'm about to share with you. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. Consumer writer David Lazarus found out about this, probably a whistleblower, and when you register for the SAT or the ACT, they will both ask you if it's okay to share your information. And so when they offer you a chance to share your information, what they're actually doing is they are selling your information to a bunch of con artists, a bunch of ripoff artists, and whoever wants to try to solicit you. Overwhelmingly, people give permission, according to his research, ACT, three-quarters of high schoolers taking these standardized tests give their permission for their information to be shared and sold, or sold and shared. 
And who are they being solicited by? Often a lot of those phony groups that claim they're going to honor you or take you on some trip where you get to meet with top people and all that. Know that it's not going to affect your information being shared with colleges and universities that you choose to share your information with. And just know that the ACT and the SAT are not being honest with you about how the sharing works. And so when the question is asked, just say no. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where you learn ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website, and you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So it really worries me about the number of kids that go hungry each night, the number of people that need food stamps to put food on the table. In fact, I think it's terrible in the most wealthy nation in the history of Earth that we have so many people that face food shortages and hunger. And we, at the same time, the most recent estimate I've seen, 40% of the food that we have, we throw out, 4-0. So they're trying something in Britain that I think is a great idea we should try here. And this was in the Guardian newspaper. A grocery store chain in England now offers a 10 pence bin. 10 pence, that's like 13 cents. And what they do is they take food that's past their use-by date, which still means it's absolutely safe to eat for most everything. They make that stuff available, and anybody can buy it, but it's really designed for people who are really struggling and trying to make ends meet and put food on the table, to be able to get a meal that they are not going to be able to sell at normal price and be able to put food on the table for 13 cents, that's not an unlucky 13, that's a brilliant 13. Now, there are obviously some items that are highly perishable that can never go in the 10 pence bin. But there's so many food items that would be absolutely fine for you to eat past that date, and they just can't be sold at regular price. So instead of destroying that food, make it food that allows people to maybe not need government assistance or reduce how much government assistance they get, and we as a community, instead of wasting food, put it to work. I love this. You know, so much about our country is about misallocation of resources. We have this wealth, but we don't use it in many cases efficiently. And truth be told, food in the United States is the cheapest it's ever been overall versus the typical family income. But as we know in the United States, there are lots of families that have fallen behind over the last generation and they're struggling. And so taking food supply that supermarkets would dispose of and instead putting it on somebody's table, do I ever love this? Cole is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cole. 
Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You are how old, Cole? I'm 19 years old. And what have you already done in your life? Uh, this summer, I, with the help of my parents, I bought a property with three houses on it and a rental property it has six units. And since then, I've bought a another property with two houses on it on my own. I got the one by myself. And then I also bought another house on land contract. So you've done all this by 19 years old? Yeah, I started this summer in July, and then I've, I've gone that far since then. Now, you know this is very, very, very unusual. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it definitely is. So do you have tenants or these income-producing properties already? Yeah, they've produced income for me on top of what my payment is. I've got all 12 units full, and I've honestly, I've got a lot of people even asking me to move into to rentals. So that's not, that hasn't been a problem with me so, for me so far. This is yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, tell me uh, how I can be of service to you, because I'm already so impressed I can't stand it. Well, my main question, uh, my grandpa brought to my attention the other day that there was an apartment complex. It's kind of a big step, but it's a 24-unit apartment complex, and it's $800,000. And traditional financing through my bank, uh, they're really not interested in giving me another loan just because they think I should wait longer. I was wondering if you had any advice on creative financing or any other ways to go about it. Wow. All right. So the the normal way you would get something like that financed if you're not good for the bank credit is the seller of that apartment complex mm-hmm. would be the one that would be the best to finance it for you. Yeah. We, we're going to meet with him, um, but I, I don't think he's going to want to do that. He's actually selling to try to buy a bigger apartment complex. So I think he wants the money down. But other than that, I was just wondering if there's any sort of program or... No, but I will tell you this. I am so impressed with what you've done. Thank you. But you may want to slow down a little bit. You've taken on a lot already. Yeah. And you've Um, got a long road in front of you. Okay. And so I, I know I'm hearing from you. You see this opportunity right now. You've already made so much happen at light speed, and you're ready to go on and go from, I gather, I tried to count everything you said. It sounded like 10, 11, 12 properties you have now? Yeah, there's six, there's six houses and there's, there's 12 units. Wow. And double that and end up with three times the number of properties, bam, just like that. Yeah. And so yeah, I guess I'm helping my family, but um, I just wanted to, to see what you would think about that. So I think, I think digest for now what you've already taken on. Okay. Because you're generating nice income from these 12. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. And I, there's, there's something that I've always felt for entrepreneurs. you got to be careful that you don't go broke trying to make money too quickly. Okay. And so I love the enthusiasm and obviously the Herculean accomplishments already. Thank you. But if money is not readily available for you to borrow and you'd have mm-hmm. to borrow at high risk interest rates you're going to make okay. the hurdles tougher for you to cross with this 24 unit building and if okay. the seller isn't interested in doing seller financing if they're interested in doing seller financing maybe i'm being too cautious but if you're okay. having to go out and get high risk money i would say slow down absorb what you've already accomplished let it create wealth for you, and then you move on because you're already showing that you are going to be extremely successful 
Just don't get ahead of yourself. J.D. is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, J.D. Hey there, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Very soon I'm attending a coding academy. They are not an accredited institution, so therefore they are not eligible for you know, help with uh, federal student loans. They have a preferred private lender, but I know you advise against private student loans. What should I do? Well, first of all, going to a coding program normally costs so little you wouldn't need a loan for it. How much is this one? Uh, $12,000. Yep. To learn to code? Uh, yes. However, they are uh, the, the school is one of the most highly reputable and respected as far as uh, producing uh, graduates. Okay, so I, I would say that you should, at least for now, run away from a $12,000 program. Okay. Um, there, there are so many coding classes available right now that costs little or nothing where do you know basic coding or are you starting from scratch pretty much from scratch then i want you to take one of the programs that are available for minimal money and when i say minimal money i'm talking about usually less than three hundred dollars like actually sitting in a classroom learning or is this like an online online but i want you to start online Because coding is one of those things that very few people who start a coding program stick with it. Sure. And I wouldn't want you to be on the hook for, you said $12,000? Correct. Well, I mean, I'm almost certain I know this is what I want to do. I've been practicing online. There's a lot of free classes and and kind of tutorials and stuff, and I enjoy it. So have Um, have you been to Udemy? Udemy? No, I have not. Uh, Udemy is a big clearinghouse for online courses, and their most popular of all is their comprehensive program for coding. Sure. And it retails, I think, for a couple hundred dollars, but routinely is available for like $10, $50, things like that. And then right. there's a website called codingacademy.com that offers a lot of cheap coding programs yeah i've been to that one all right i would dig in fully on these online programs if you feel like you're not uh, that you really truly clearly want to do this but you don't feel like you're getting enough knowledge to then go out and seek employment call them i'm more one to like to sit in a classroom and be taught i'm not one to really absorb it all through just sitting there online and, and typing code so that's that's why, why you like want to do a course. Yes. All right. So, and like I said, the reputation of this certain school is very high. They have all right. Don't worry about the, don't worry about what they say their reputation is, JD. I want you to talk to employers that hire people who who code. Sure. And ask where their people have studied, where they've come from. You know, you well, may find gather, that there's a local community college program. Sure. That would cost you very little money or even an area trade school that's a state-supported trade school where you could take coding very cheaply okay well hypothetically i do choose to do this where should i get the money well you could certainly try on prosper or lending club prosper prosper.com or lendingclub.com and those are like a those are those are lenders that lend money for a variety of purposes. They run your credit. You state why you want the money, 
how long it'll take you to pay back. And the loan terms often tend to be pretty decent. Not outstanding, but decent. Sure. But before you, you sound so determined to spend this kind of money, before you do, please, as as an intermediate step, go find out what else is available, what else is out there. And always, when you're getting a specific skill, talk to the employers you would hope to work for and find out where they recommend you learn to code so that you might find there's a better, cheaper alternative available for you. And Joel, the website I gave in passing, I didn't say it with clear diction. You go ahead and say it. It's codecademy.com. So it's like Code Academy, but no A on the Academy. So codecademy.com. Oh, man. Who's going to be able to remember that? We'll put that at Clark.com. Exactly. And the thing about going to a school for a specific skill, I want to emphasize, in JD's case, he really needs to be in a classroom. That The online stuff I was talking about just isn't going to work for him. So in his case, going to employers, and this is true for any single skill you're trying to get. You're trying to get a specific skill that gets you a job. You want to know from employers where they hire people from. Because why go to a place that's highly respected or highly recommended if employers don't think that's the place? So that's why it all starts with employers. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask. Jeremy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. How can I be of service, Jeremy? Well, I had a question. So my wife is on maternity leave, and she's going to go back part-time for a few years as a hope with her employer. And so right now, once she goes back part-time next year, she won't be able to contribute to either her 401k or her HSA. And so I'm kind of torn right now because the 401k, uh, we're in a low-cost provider's funds within that. There's a small account maintenance fee. Uh, but by staying in her employer, that allows us to get into a better class fund. And so I'm wondering if we do roll over her 401k into an IRA doing a trustee to trustee transfer, do we get to stay in the same fund class um, you do not. As, that are in there currently? You do not. And okay. you brought up something that I'd say 99.9% of people are not aware of. A lot of the funds available from a mutual fund company, an investment house, have what are called retail fund expenses. An employer-provided 401k can either use that retail fund with its expenses or offer what's known as institutional shares, which carry a much lower cost and is one of the reasons why staying in a 401k plan, even when you're not with that employer anymore or not eligible anymore, rather than rolling the money over, is often a superior choice. Even with the administrative charge for managing the 401k, that plus the low institutional fees usually will be cheaper than being in the retail class of shares in your own IRA. Okay. And then I guess to complicate that and throw kind of a wrench in that too, when you transfer a 401k over to an IRA, how are Roth 401k contributions handled as compared to the 
employer non-Roth match. All right, now we're getting to something that 1,000 of 1% of people understand. So what happens if you do that is you end up with two IRAs, a Roth and a regular, because the employer matching contributions are pre-tax. The Roth 401k money is post-tax. So the money is divided then at that point into two different IRAs. Okay. And if we've already fully funded our individual IRAs, are you still allowed to do that? Yes. Uh, our Roth IRAs? Yes. You're, okay. you're allowed to because it's a rollover. It's not a new contribution. Okay. And then as far as the HSA goes, so it's a family plan that we have with her employer but because it's in her social security number, are we allowed to roll over her HSA into an HSA of mine at my employer? I have never had that question before, but I think the answer to that is no. I'm going to do after the fact research, and if my no is wrong, we will call you back and tell you I'm wrong. But my okay. understanding is that the owner of the HSA and the social security number controlling that health savings account remains the owner of that through the years and they can spend it on other family members eligible medical expenses but my memory and i feel overwhelmingly that my memory is correct that the money has to remain in your wife's name in her hsa but again if i'm wrong we'll call you back and let you know i was wrong and i'll correct it on the air too and i'm very impressed jeremy with your deep dig into how the various obscure elements of retirement and benefits plans work, and even more impressed that you're so into saving money. Well, thank you very much. I want to work to live, not live to work. Good for you. Have a great day. And Jeremy, hang on just a second so we are certain we know how to reach you later if I do need to correct what I said about the HSAs. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.